very good morning to you. Welcome into Wednesday's programme with you right through until 12 midday. Disabled drivers and the assessment is causing grave concern. Retail Excellence Ireland are holding back absolutely nothing when it comes to asking the government for help. A new craze and an unknown sports wealth. I certainly didn't know anything about it. We'll look at that on today's programme. We're looking at the cessation of pain treatment in Galway. It's not just good enough in the effects that it's having on a number of people. Jerry Murphy goes motoring. What will he be driving this week? Also on today's programme, there's hairdressers are also calling on the government for assistance uh, today. They'll be joining us on today's programme. Assistant decisions as well on how we make them is something we talk about. And a new book that has come our way, Whispers on the Main Street. Shh. It's a new publication. We're with you right through until 12 midday. Good morning to you. Comment lines are open if you do want to get through to us uh, today. We would like to hear from you. And all of those lines are open on 086 that is 086-3833-553 if you want to get in contact with us. Uh, we would like to uh, hear from you uh, today. And again, you can also just call us if you want to. Uh, quite simply, you can do so on 091 as well. But we do need to hear from you because it's your comments that keep the programme ticking along. And um, we would like to hear from you as soon as possible. Now, I want to go to our first um, subject uh, today. And I want to go to a lady called Mary who joins me on the line, because we're looking at uh, disabled drivers and the assessment. Now, if I'm right, and God knows I'm wrong a lot of the time, uh, the assessments used to be done, I think it was over uh, in Chantilly Clinic. But now, and um, Mary's going to give us further details on this, now they have to go all the way to Dublin. But Mary joins me on the line today. Mary, morning to you. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me all right there? I can. Yeah, good, good, good. Listen, talk to me in relation. You need to be assessed indeed um, because of a disability that you have and you you need to be assessed, but you're being forced to go to Dublin for the assessment. Yes, that's right. They used to do the assessments there in Shantala Clinic. And when you apply for the uh, primary medical cert, you're sent to Shantala. Now, it's very hard to obtain one of these primary medical certs. Like, 99% of them are referred to appeal. So the appeal board used to sit in Galway, but they disbanded it in early 2020. Mm. And now they formed their own appeal board now up in Dublin. So everyone from the whole country travels to Dublin to get these medical assessment appeals. Now, which is off-putting for a lot of disabled people because they cannot do the journey. It's just far too long. Now, I've been to and fro and with, um, it's up in the National Rehabilitation Hospital, the That's Disabled right, yeah. Drivers Board of Appeal. And the um, as I've said to them, people cannot be travelling that length and it's impossible even to have like satellite clinics like Sitting Galway for two days a month, Kerry two days a month, Wexford for two days a month, but so Mary, forth. But Mary, like, can I go back a little bit here? But I mean, the majority of people who apply for this assessment have to go to appeal on it because it is so chaotically off the Richter scale, the demands that are on people. So why can't they simplify it? It's not as if these people are taking money out of anybody's pocket. All they want to do is be recognised as we've got a disability and and the assessment should... I mean, I, I know people who've gone through it and I've been with somebody who went through it now many, many years ago. And to be quite honest, you'd want to be a rocket scientist to get through it. Yeah, exactly. And then to put the added pressure on of having to travel to the other side of the country and having to try and get someone to drive you up to Dublin and wait around for a number of hours and then drive you all the way back. And as I've been 
to and fro in with these. And there's just no leeway or no give. And they won't even answer the fact of who appointed them into the appeal board. Are they self-appointed or how did, was this appeal board formed in Dublin? They won't give answers to that. And they won't even ask, answer why the original appeal board was disbanded and that you cannot get one in Galway anymore. That is all centralised all the way up to Dublin. And even the TD, Michael Healy Ray, had contacted him and he's fighting on this issue as well, that a lot of his constituents have to go up from Kerry to Dublin and they're not able for the journey. And the National Rehab Unit are just so rigid on it and putting their foot down and basically good luck to you, we're not going anywhere. You want to, you want to, you come to us. But, but again, just go back to, I mean, the, the original board was disbanded for whatever reasons, it was disbanded. But is there a new board in place, do you know now? Yes, yes, there's a new board in place. Okay, so can that board not just do around the country and maybe twice a year and, and take the appeals from there? But again, I mean, how many of these appeals maybe are successful? Or what's the point in going for the appeal if it's just going to be a no anyway? That's the that's the other hand, because I've made inquiries with this board as to, number one, why they can't come around the country. And number two, how many are do actually obtain the medical um, assessment search when they go for appeal? They won't give the figures on it. They won't answer why. And they just kept saying to me, if you don't want to travel to Dublin, just reapply from day one again. So I'd be back to about a four year waiting list if I reapplied. But it's dysfunctional by the sounds of things, and I'm not being smart, but I mean, it seems to be dysfunctional for a while. So, what do you want this exactly. morning? What do you want, Mary, this morning out of our conversation? What would you like to happen? I'd like them to be able to be basically a satellite unit that can come to Galway so many times a year, go to Kerry so many times a year, Donegal, etc., so that the, the people who cannot travel to Dublin can get assessed on this from this Board of Appeal. Okay, but can they be assessed, say, can they be? Can you be assessed for this in Galway currently? No. Can, no, no, forget, no, no, no. Forget the appeal now, Mary. We'll come back to the, the appeal in a minute. Oh, to the search itself, yes, you can be assessed for it in Galway. You can be assessed in Galway for it. For the search, yes. Okay. But ninety-five percent of the certs will not get it. You have to go to appeal to get it. Sure, that's where the crux of the problem is. Then have a look at the application and see can it be simplified in such a way that. There's, there's a bit of movement in it for those that are doing it. Because I know for those that are doing some of these assessments, they have to stick to the, the letter of the law. No more than getting a carer, and I came across somebody who was 0.1 of a percent. Again, recently, they were assessed for carers to come into their home uh, to mind a family member, but they were 0.1 of an assessment away from getting extra care or getting care full stop, and the person had to go to a home a few weeks ago. So, I mean, it's, it's the criteria. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And the fact that they do the main assessments here in Galway, they should have an appeal board then in Galway that comes and sits. Mm. You shouldn't have to travel to Dublin for an appeal. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make sense that you have to. Now, you said to me when I spoke to you, Mary, earlier this morning that you're just physically not able for a journey to Dublin. No, and I'm not the only person either. It, it's like it's preventative. It, it's nearly a preventative measure they have in place so that you won't come to the appeal appointment so therefore you won't get the cert it's it's nearly they're trying to prevent the issuing of the certs by making it difficult to go to dublin for these assessments and the people who cannot travel to dublin to these for these assessments 
Then they're left with, with no primary medical cert and you're back to square one of them telling you, oh, reapply again through your local board. But you're, it takes four years now we're doing this. So it'll be four years later again, we'll still be at the point, do we still have to travel to Dublin for an appeal? But it comes back to, uh, come, let's come away from the appeal for a minute, but uh, but I'm, I'm looking at this in the cold light of Jason's um, quarter date this morning. Um, but I mean, the assessment, I think, for those that are doing it in Galway, and they're doing a fine job, but they have to do it to the criteria that they have. So I think that criteria yeah. has to be looked at, and that criteria may need a little bit of movement within it, where there's a bit of discretion when it comes to those that are doing this test, that they don't have to stick to the rigours of the, the assessment that they're, they currently have. So that yeah, there should be flexibility with them. Flexibility was the word I was looking for, but it wouldn't come into my head. So there is no flexibility uh, in it at all. So they have to stick to it. So the team in Galway, then their their hands are tied. So then it goes to the appeal in Dublin. You can't make it to Dublin. So then, what type of quality of life do you have right now? It's restrictive to the fact that um, I want to purchase an automatic vehicle, and the only way you can get I could obtain purchase of that is if I had a primary medical cert. I'd get so much back from it, but as it is, I can't buy um, an automatic vehicle without a cert. Okay. That needs my adaptions. All right. Uh, good on Mary speaking on behalf of disabled people. It's ridiculously ironic that this appeals board don't promote accessibility and um, freedom for people as well. And then on the other side here, we're getting other calls coming in on it uh, as well. Well done to Mary for speaking out on this. This has been going on for years and this needs to be looked at um, by the government as well. And uh, the support for you. Like I've stuff with um, even the Minister for Disabilities. Um, she's got all the emails coming back and forth between myself and the, um, the rehab scheme up in Dublin. And there's just no way in from the Minister of Disability at all. She she didn't get involved in it. But yet Michael Healy Ray, who isn't even a Minister for Disabilities, is weighing in behind it. Oh, so you're saying you're out and rabbit. Now her, her plate is full. Uh, we didn't get to call this morning, but we will put a call into her. In that regard, uh, in relation to the girl uh, trying to get her driving license, it's not her driving license, it's her disability uh, certificate. Uh, we need to do something about this in Galway. Why does everything have to go to Dublin? Uh, this caller said. So the support for you, Mary, there. So let's just see where it goes from there. Um, but yeah. there and I know that Sean Canny is going to uh, do a piece on this. He's been on to production as well uh, today. So. He's going to, uh, Joe. will you stay with me if you don't mind? Just bear with me one, right. one second if you don't mind. Um, I'm just going to have to, um, yeah, will I shut, do, do, I think, just Barbara, I'll come back to you in a second, Barbara. Just, uh, I, I just need to make one, one call here, uh, but I will come back to you in one second. But let me go to this here and do this and this and this, and I'll get back to Barbara in a, in a moment. And uh, I should have... Um, Deputy Sean Kenny joining us. Sean, you've been listening to Mary this morning. Can something be done about this? Well, um, I, I'm delighted that Mary's highlighted. She's she's demonstrating the lived experience. You know, I'm a member of the Disability Matters Committee, and for the last four years, we've been highlighting this anomaly. The criteria for qualifying for the primary medical cert is so tight that the appeals board that were dealing with it actually resigned because they could not uh, deal with it. You yeah. need to have the loss of LM or or two limbs in order to qualify. Yet people would be applying and then the appeal would go to Dublin. The appeal process stopped um, because nobody could actually in, in conscience say we're going to look at an appeal knowing well that somebody who's in mobile but still hasn't got uh, uh, an amputation or something like that 
uh, won't qualify. So basically, the, the truth of the matter is that this has been going on for since 2011, 12, maybe even uh, uh, later. Okay, but Sean, then can, I, told, can, I, can I go back to Yeah, I know you've been, yeah. I know, but can we go back so then to the assessment? I mean, the fact that you have to lose one or two or three limbs before you can get through the initial assessment, that is absolutely bonkers. Exactly, and that's what we've been looking for to be reviewed. We've produced a report on it, we've given it to the Minister for Finance, and I think the the responsibility lies with the Minister for Finance to actually um, um, make adjustments to the scheme to make it workable, because at the end of the day, people with disabilities who need this support should be getting it. And this is coupled with the fact that uh, um, uh, transport grants okay. and other grants that were there for people with disabilities were um, abandoned back in 2011 with uh, a promise that something would be put in place new within six months and here we are in 2024 we still don't have anything and it all goes back to the very basic principle of the rights of people with disabilities which are being uh, ignored even though we've okay. signed up to the to, to the convention and i do believe that uh, it is something that our committee are very very strong on the ombudsman uh, did a report on peter tindall before he retired about three years ago in which he said he titled it grounded people were being grounded they weren't being able to um go out uh to to uh, appointments they weren't being able to go for a cup of coffee or anything like that they were grounded in their homes because they had a disability okay and that is the fact of it all right john thanks for joining us uh, will you come back to us with a solution on that if you don't mind please as well that's uh david john canny uh joining us there with the solution uh on on that uh today so we just we just hope indeed and pray that some kind of solution comes out. And just finally, just going back to Barrow, we're getting loads of comments in on this, I have to say today. And uh, let me go back to Mary on this one. Uh, Mary, Sean, Kenny is going to do his absolute best on this one. So we're just going to leave him at it just to see, can he do something on it? And, um, but again, I went, um, can you hear me all right there, Mary? You can. Um, but yeah. I, I went myself, this caller said, for a medical cert to Dublin. Uh, before I went to Dublin, I had to attend an appointment in Galway. Uh, for it. The lady assessed me knew nothing about my condition. I asked her why she's assessing me if she knows nothing about my condition and she said um, as she would only fail me because of that. She then told me that we're going to fail you anyway as they fail everyone in Galway and they're told to reject everyone from Galway. If that's the case that is just bonkers so it is. It is disgraceful. Mary, will you in the face of what the disability um, action plan is like it's a kick in the teeth to even the minister is trying to bring forward any action plan for disabled people and then you have the likes of this saying we're constantly failing everyone from Galway go okay. to Dublin and yet on the other hand you have the Green Party saying reduce your travel reduce um, emissions sure how can we reduce emissions if they're forcing us to go all the way up to Dublin where it's already chock-a-block with traffic all right, well, it's gone on since 2011. You brought it to a head, and um, Sean Kenny's delighted you have, and his committee's going to look into this again. Uh, so, uh, Mary, thank you for joining us uh, today on the programme. And uh, will, you come back to, will you come back to us for any breakthroughs, if you don't mind, Andrew, as well there? Okay. Uh, please. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Mary joining us on the line there uh, from Galway City in relation to that uh, issue um, with the assessment. It's, I go back again and say it, it's bonkers. <laughs> A very good morning to welcome into today's programme. Now, Retail Excellent Ireland has warned of mass closures if the government does not intervene on the VAT situation. Jean McCabe, who's the Chief Executive of Retail Excellent Ireland, joins me on the line. Uh, Jean, this is a fight of fights, but are the government listening to you? 
they're they're certainly getting the message that the industry uh, can sustain the ongoing avalanche of costs that it's been witnessed. So if you even consider the last four years, we've seen a 30% increase in the minimum wage alone. But th- this this discussion isn't about the minimum wage. It's actually all the costs that are coming down the line. It's the, the minimum wage, the PRSI, the sick pay, the extra administrative requirements like the enhanced reporting from revenue. And they're all adding untenable pressure onto those businesses. And in, unlike any other industry, um, you know, retail is the largest employer, 300,000 people, three out of four working retail actually live outside of Dublin and 85% of retail businesses employ less than 10 people. So this is the real struggle of SME retailers that are the core of every town and village across the country. And they just don't have the margin or the economies of scale to, to absorb the avalanche of costs that we're seeing. And, you know, what we're seeing is we're seeing SME owners forgoing their own salaries just to keep the doors open and that's not sustainable. So if we look at the core costs of any business, you know, those fundamentals, at the moment they don't add up and they need to be recalibrated and we think that is the way to recalibrate them. And again, from a VAT point of view, because first off, when you look at the amount of tax that they're getting from the 300,000 employees within the industry that you're talking about, so from a VAT point of view, it's, it's a small percentage uh, that would make such a huge difference. Huge difference. And and that's what it's about. It's about keeping our retail landscape healthy and vibrant the way it is. So, you know, if you look at hospitality and retail, they go hand in hand. And we're not we're asking government not to wait for the closures that we've seen in hospitality. We can see the numbers in the SME businesses just don't add up and that the fundamental costs of opening your door leave you in the red. And those costs have to be offset elsewhere. I think that is the way to go. Nine and a half, sorry, 13 and a half down to nine and 23 back to the 21 that we had pre-recession days um, is is will will help balance the books. I think that's that's what it's about. You know, it, we need to keep small business doors open and keep our towns and centres alive. And let's not wait for the closures. But it's not. There's no joint up thinking here from a government point of view because if it's the thing that you have the closures, the mass closures that you're talking about in today's press release, um, Jean McCabe. I mean, these people will be going onto the dole queues. They are going to be costing the government money, whereas quick intervention now could save all of that. Absolutely. And, w- and what we're seeing already is we've seen a couple of store closures that were good businesses, but, you know, they're being very pragmatic about it. They could see that by the end of, by the end of the, this month in January, they're going to be down a couple of thousand and they're going to be in the red and they're being smart about it and going, right, I don't see a future in this, especially when you look down the line that we're going to see the minimum wage going up um, up to the national living wage by 2026. And that's actually going to be a 50% increase in the minimum wage over five years. Like, think about that. No industry can sustain that. So we need to get out ahead of this now and get get the numbers that they add up right. You know, small businesses don't make a huge amount of money, but they do keep people employed. They do keep our towns, towns and cities alive. And we need to put the measures in place to make sure that they can keep doing that. And can I ask you, Jim McCabe, the, the warehouse tax going back to the COVID times, is that putting pressure on some members as well? Yes, and I, it's certainly welcome to see that they are... Um, that they are not going to charge interest on it and that will certainly help um, a lot of businesses and I think that's that's really important and I know government have also introduced the cost of doing business scheme the Department of Enterprise announced that in the last budget but unfortunately it's 250 million it doesn't go anywhere near what's needed um, to support retailers and I think what's really important here is you know grants and uh, tokens like this, while they are all great, they don't change the f- core costs of doing business. And if we are to ensure stability and a future for retail, the core costs have to change. You know, if if this national living wage is the ambition of government, that's all well and good. But you you can't expect you know 
to keep loading the camels back and for it not to break, it has to be off, uh, offset elsewhere within um, those business costs. And we think that is the way to go about it. But how do you stand out from a retail accident Ireland? Because there's so many demands on the government at this stage from so many quarters and so many different industries that are out there. How do you stand uh, out in the crowd so that they listen and do something? I think the, you know the retail industry is the largest employer. They'd want to be listened to us if they're not listening. That that's quite a, a fundamental mistake. And it, this is a rural Ireland issue more that more so than uh, Dublin. When you consider three out of four working in retail are outside of Dublin, and we have seen already seen the crack shown in hospitality um, currently. And I think, you know, in hospitality and retail really go hand in hand. So I think that the writing's on the wall of what could look like in the future. And I think, you know, government have to get the numbers to add up right. They need, they need to pause, they need to recalibrate and see how do we put measures in place that will support the retail industry to make sure it's vibrant and keep those people in jobs. And, you know, reducing the VAT rate would certainly be a huge measure in ensuring doors stay open and people stay employed and the retail industry continues to employ 300,000 people. But I'm going back to the question again. I mean, do they understand, does, does Pascal Dunhu, does the Department of uh, Finance understand the pressure that the industry is under? Or will they look back when the mass closures take place and say, God, we didn't think it was that bad? Yeah, and that, that's our job as a, a lobby group to try and make sure they do understand. In fairness, the Department of Enterprise have been very engaged and the, that, those conversations are ongoing. But as you mentioned there, there's a lot of people shouting from a lot of corners looking for a lot of things. And it's just making sure your voice is heard louder than the others. But there are so many people shouting at them, so you have to stand out in the crowd for the members that you have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, listening to stories of retailers, of what, what it's like on the ground, you know, as I spoke to I spoke to a department store owner there and gentleman, 63 years of age, working a 60 hour a week, employing 10 full time people and, you know, and, and looking at taking a pay cut himself on his 40,000 a year to keep those people employed. And, you know, it's stories like that. Um, that resonate because they're real and they're real people and it's not just numbers and yeah. I think that message is important to get across But I think even from the retail sector that you're talking about I think the government have to look at all of the online shopping that's taking place that's coming in from outside the country in into this country and they're gaining nothing from it because the people in question are not being yeah. employed in this country so there has to be some kind of joined up thinking um, Jean there Yeah absolutely and if we look at the, the rising cost base of doing businesses you know it will drive up um, the price of goods in certain sectors. But what I would say is, you know, we live in a global economy, so people can shop that Samsung TV anywhere in the world or in Ireland. And if the price is higher in Ireland, they're obviously going to buy it elsewhere. So it's really important because retailers, a lot of retailers will not have, the, you know, won't have the, they won't be able to put up their prices because of that global economy piece. And so they'll have to absorb those costs, which is really going to put them under pressure. And I think, you know, a smart move is look after your homegrown indigenous businesses and ensure people lock, shop local and want to go in and enjoy the vibrancy of their local town or into Galway for the day and enjoy, you know, the, the atmosphere that it brings. And it's important that government support the industry then, you know, VAT rate is 23%, one of the highest in Europe. And actually, if you if you, if you you look across Europe, Ireland is the second highest minimum wage. Um, and as I said before, that that's not an issue. Luxembourg is higher than us, but the Luxembourg VAT rate is only 17%. So yeah. we have Ireland with a high VAT rate and high minimum wage costs. The numbers just don't add up. For such a small island, we're making such an impact in Europe, but yet, um, when you look at the taxes, um, I mean, they're, they're all over the place in comparison, and yet our net worth is what it is, and we know that the tax returns are coming in, and in their billions on an annual basis, far ahead of uh, what's been predicted. 
Um, so it's perhaps what you're saying to me at this stage is it's time now to give back. Yeah, and it's it's time just to ensure the future of the of the industry. You know, doing it now is preventative as opposed to reacting to, you know, seeing mass closures. We're already starting to see the cracks in the industry and we're seeing some really good businesses closing their doors um, and they'll never reopen. And, the, the, you know, the, what's unique about the Irish retail landscape is there's so many family-owned businesses um, mm. around the country that are there generation to generation. And at the moment, you know, it's hard, it's, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking to see that you know you're losing losing money every day of the week and you're eating into your pension and at some point their accountant will say you know what you need to close the doors and they will have hung on until the last moment because they felt you know a, a sense of duty carrying on the family business but when those doors close they will never reopen again there is no other family business to go in and take it over um and it's you know the fear is that we'll see the likes of those businesses go and it'll change our landscape forever and they will never never reopen and we'll also lose a part of our heritage Jimmy mm. Cape and Chief Executive of Retail Excellent Ireland thank you for joining us today on the programme now some of the comments coming in thanks Jean um, some of the comments coming in today uh, Keith this upcoming referendum will be no good to the people like Mary uh, Eamon Ryan wants to reduce emissions uh, while some other ministers want you to drive to Dublin we need common sense Mary well done for highlighting this whole situation uh, today and this one is quite staggering also so it is that came into us uh, today Keith's criteria for primary medical cert is so old and backwards you have to be without a limb or limbs uh, to even be granted. Uh, this has been brought before the government and Minister Rabbit, uh, but nothing is being done or has been done about it. I have a son with progressive mobility conditions who has issues walking and who will only get worse as he gets older and we won't qualify for the um, primary medical care certificate. It's absolutely bananas, this caller said uh, today. And uh, other calls came in to us. Uh, good on Mary for speaking out on behalf of the disabled people. Is ridiculously... Uh, ridiculously uh, ironic uh, that this appeals board doesn't um, promote accessibility and other comments coming in on Discord as well uh, Keith could you please find out um, the number of beds closed in St Brendan's home in Loch Ray? Uh, can you find that out for us please and Keith I went uh, myself for a medical cert to Dublin and uh, before I went to Dublin I had to attend an appointment in Galway for it also and I was refused immediately even before they took into account and my application. So it is a problem. It's a problem now that needs to be sorted. We will put a call into Minister Anne Rabbit. I know she's up the walls uh, today and well, not not just today, every day. Uh, we will put a call into her uh, from there. And somebody wants to know, is the west side, is it is the van moved in the west side following an accident there this morning? I, I, I don't know, to be honest, but you know, all emergency services were on the scene this morning and I hope that the driver of the van is in okay medical condition and I hope that all pans out from there. Uh, but I don't know. Can somebody let me know from there, please? And another caller said, a lot of people I know, uh, this uh, caller said, um, yeah, we'll deal with that in a moment. God, no. Now, very good morning to you. Now, for the next piece, I'm joined in studio by my caller indeed. Uh, my caller indeed, um, the locksmith extraordinaire, and uh, his colleague indeed, uh, Theo. So, Mike has been on to me uh, in relation to p- pickleball. So, I haven't got a brief on this one. I don't know what it is, but all I know is it's called pickleball. So, it's kind of dangerous, Mike, <laughs> and I'm going to bring you in there. What exactly is pickleball, tell me? Because you brought this to my attention, so it's all your fault if I get into trouble. Well, I don't think this is going to get you into trouble. It might get you a little bit slimmer, a little bit fitter, but <laughs> trouble, no. Are you it's, saying I need to? What is it? It's 
a weird cross between tennis, uh, table tennis and badminton, I suppose, is the best way to describe it. Yeah. But it was started with like just a, I think a family in Seattle in the 60s sometime in America. And they uh, just wanted a fun game that they could play, that they could, the whole family could play like grannies, dads, moms, kids, everybody together. Yeah. So they were just messing around with like table tennis bats, an old tennis court and kind of came up with a weird hybrid kind of game. Mm. So then it developed into, you know, a proper game with proper rules and all of a sudden it kind of exploded across America. So I was on holidays a couple of years ago and my brother-in-law said, try this. It's a bit of fun. It's something to do. It's lovely. It's absolutely terrific game to do outdoors. So we thought we'd try it. So we play it on a small court, like a badminton court with a low net, like a tennis net. Mm -hmm. It's normally played as doubles. So it's a mixed doubles thing. And it's for basically any age group. The scoring is a little bit different, but it's a very, very easy, simple game to pick up. And is it all about keeping the ball in the air? No, the ball can bounce. It hops normally. The ball is also what's called a wiffle ball. There's holes in it. So if you get hit with the ball, it doesn't hurt. The bats are like large table tennis bats rather than tennis balls. So, And do you run around the court then? You can if you're able. <laughs> uh, a small bit. Now, you can play it as energetically as possible or as little as possible. Um, but as I say, it's mixed doubles. Our age group ranges, I suppose, from people in their 20s up to people in their 70s. And some people who are like 25, 30 can have a very competitive game against some 70-year-olds. Like the 70-year-olds mightn't be as fit, but they'd be a lot cuter. But it's all about being active, really. Isn't that what it's all about? Um, it is, and that's where Theo comes in. It's one of the things that, um, you know, while we can all get out there and bang a ball, I like, can have a bit of crack. It's lovely to have a bit of structure. And Theo is uh, a tennis coach oh, that's wow. promoting and working on this. Theo, morning to you. How are you? Good morning, guys. Thanks for joining um, yeah, us. Yeah, fine, thank you. And um, so your tennis would be your first sport, or is, is pick, pick, uh, pickleball is pickleball now your first sport or tennis? Well, it's a bit of both. I do more pickleball coaching these days than, than tennis. It's because it's pickleball is picking up so fast. We, we all the time getting new members and looking for new locations. And um, any new member comes in, 90%, they try it out, they will stick to the sport and then keep playing it. Wow. So it's increasing at a fast pace, the members. And is it easy to pick up pickleball? Is it easy to do it? Yeah, it's it's very easy. Um, we have uh, lots of members, more than 200 members in our database, and they're playing on a regular base. And the uh, 25%, which is the highest percent we have, is come from a non-sporting background. Wow. So then another 25 is from tennis background. So then you can see the difference. The non-sporting players, they come in and they pick it up and they enjoy the sport. Mike, you'd have, um, Mike, uh, Colin, you'd have been, um, tag rugby was your thing the last time we spoke. Uh, well, when you say my thing, it, we, I play it, but I like it for, it. part of it is you get to the stage where you like it for the social side of it. Yeah. Tag rugby was a very social sport, but it's also a very fast sport, you know, just the legs, the pace, gone. Mm -hmm. So this one has turned out to be absolutely terrific for the social side. Um, when we meet... Because it's mixed doubles, you switch partners regularly. So the games would typically last five to ten minutes. So you split from the partner that you're playing with. You play with the new person. A lot of times, because we have 200 members, they're strangers. So you meet new people all the time. 
um, lots of various people from all walks of life. And what we do afterwards is go for a coffee or just go for a drink. Or So the social setting in it is absolutely terrific, which was what I got from the tag rugby. And can we, uh, where, do you, where do you do your pickleball tra- training? Or uh, Well, we have a load of places, really. Like we do it, now today there's a couple of sessions in Westside. Mm-hmm. So it's normally during the daytime and a few evening sessions, but the daytime sessions in the gyms around town tend to be the ones we can access. Mm. They're not used that much. So, Westside would be a venue, Knocknacara. What, what what time in Westside, roughly? Um, Westside, it's usually Wednesday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a game in Ornmore on Tuesday mornings. Mary, Friday mornings. Uh, there's something in Knocknacara on Thursday. And we've just started in the Oris in Salt Hill. Oris Bornethraw on Mondays. Wow, so so we've got a lot of sessions. Now, what would be lovely is um, if we could get a couple of evening sessions. Like Theo has uh, introduced this to a lot of the primary schools mm. where they're trying to get kids active. It's a terrific sport for kids to just pick up and bash a ball. You can get the, the gist of it in five minutes. Mm-hmm. So he's got a bunch of kids playing this, but there's no after-school facilities for them, really. Like, all the gyms are generally booked in the evenings. Yeah. And so because it rains so much here, it's hard to get an outdoor game going. And Theo, is, is Mike Colloran good at it? Yes, pretty good, yeah. Yeah, is, can he improve? Of course. Yeah, you can imagine <laughs> where I'd be then on the ladder. <laughs> um, but it sounds like good fun. And the way Mike the way Mike is talking about it, it's, it sounds like good fun and gets people active. And the fact that the game is only five or ten minutes means you're not in there for 40 minutes or otherwise. That's the the surprising fact for the new players coming in. They coming in, they play a match, and the match lasts an average 10 minutes. And then every time they have a new partner, so they meet up new players all the time. So surprisingly, is you're in an hour, you get in lots of matches and with different partners. So you kind of learn how to play with different partners. And um, that's the enjoyable part. Mm-hmm. And castings-wise, Michael, where can they get information on this now? Well, Theo, you have a Facebook page, don't you? Yeah, it's Galway Pickleball. P-I-C-K-L-E-B-A-L-L. So Galway Pickleball yes. on, on Facebook, and yes. that's your, from there. I take it they could go to the sub-office in, in the crane as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah, just stick their head in the door. Or any of the venues, you know, as I said, we're in Westside later on today. And if you're just passing want to have a look at it, come on in. Meet Theo, meet myself, meet any of the people what, playing it. What time you be on my side today? What time are we on my side today, is it? We're starting at 10 and we finish 12.30. Oh, so you should be there now. Oh, no, you'll be there in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, well, 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. to 12.30. The good part of being the boss is you can just kind of leave when you want to. <laughs> <laughs> and come here to me, did, um, did your brother take it up yet? Your brother in the shop? Sean? Yeah. Sean now loves... Pickleball. Well, I think what he really loves is the high stool. So he'd pop in and out to the crane now and that's about the exercise that he gets. I thought he was more active than that now. So. No, he did something to his leg a while back and he just kind of goes, ah, you know, walking around now will do him for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but sure. uh, you're asking there how to get involved or anything. Yeah. Uh, what's terrific about this, and I think it's down to Theo, really, the way it's organised, we've kept the costs to a minimum. So if you do actually play the hour session, it costs a fiver. Mm-hmm. And you can just rock up with nothing, like just pair of runners, tracksuit bottom, t-shirt, and you're good to go. So there's no real investment so you, you in are, equipment. He has all the equipment. Well, he has 
Some. Some of it. Like, I mean, what we're looking at is, you know, we never realised this thing would just balloon out like it did. So what we're looking for are looking at, and we've talked to um, Jason Crockwell, now has been a great source of information Good for us guy, with yeah. the sports partnership. Mm-hmm. And there's a few other people up there like that are terrific at it. What we're looking for are looking at is if we expand, like Theo has provided nets for a few different venues, but we have to bring the nets from venue to venue as we move. Yeah, so And it'd be lovely to get some extra nets, put them into each venue, so then it'd nearly be something that you could run. Self-sustaining just then, yeah. Like, you remember years ago, you'd go out to play a game of soccer and you'd just throw down your jumper. That's right, yeah. Off you go. This is next level up from that. It doesn't take a whole lot to get it going. Yeah. And you just pick your partner, mm. play with them, change your partner, play with the next person. Good on you. Uh, so it's, it's kind of that, you know. Could you ever see it being, uh, Theo, could you ever see it in the Olympics, could you? Yeah, it's coming in, it's in the uh, progress, so is it should it, be, yeah, it will be in the Olympics soon. Wow. And, I mean, would Mike qualify for the Olympics as as of now, Mike? Colin? If I'll train him hard, he might. <laughs> <laughs> if you train him hard, he could lock you up. Uh, <laughs> and you never get out of that knock, I'll tell you. From there, so the days want... of full steam ahead are over, I think. It's kind of steady as she goes now. Oh, that's right. And it's a lovely... It's a lovely run around for that kind of pace, you know. And our age, I think that's what we need to do is just take it nice and handy, yeah. What's this, our age? I'm still working. I hear you're getting out. <laughs> <laughs> just out of radio for a while. Just uh, somebody has to, somebody has to, you know. Uh, so if they want to get further details, you just go to Theo's. Um, so it's Galway Picketball, Pickle, P-I-C-K-L-E-B-A-L-L uh, on Facebook. Is that the best way to find you, Theo, now? Yeah, you find all the details there, the phone number, the email, should be on the Facebook and then... Generally, our sessions are full because you have lots of members. So if anybody is interested, just need to text or email ahead so you can book him for mm-hmm. any session they like or closer her. to their own location. Yeah. Ladies, welcome as well. Ladies, gentlemen, anything, yes. Anything at all. So they can go from there. So, But you're going to be in the west side uh, from 10 o'clock this morning. So we have a guard the escort to bring you over there, Mike. There's no problem. Sounds good uh, to me. And uh, so we have a from west side from 10 o'clock until 12.30 today. Let's just go to the website. I think it's fascinating. And I knew nothing about it. Where did it originate? You said America, is it? It's an American sport, yeah. In 2020, when I was a tennis coach, we got a, a grant from Galway City Council. It was a sports minority grant yes. to run the first pickleball event. And then we postponed it due to COVID outbreak. And then we eventually we ran it in May of 20, 2021. And that was the very first uh, pickable event in Connacht. Wow. So that's what we blew from there. So really and truly, it's, it's, it's in its infancy, but it's, it's growing so quickly. Yes. And uh, Theo, thank you for joining us. Mike, thank you for joining us uh, today. So if you get Sean to go, I'll go someday with you for the crack. Well, come over and have a look at it. No, you, know. you have to bring Sean with you. <laughs> you have to bring I have a doctor. better shot of getting you running around out <laughs> no if you bring Dr. Sean with you and if he goes and he makes a success have you met Sean you have to but if he makes a success of it I'll make a success of it great that's, that's a promise guys thanks indeed for joining us uh, today for the details if you know my Colin and Colin is locksmith um, in the crane there he'll give you further details or go to Theo's website as well or give us a call here and we can give you Mike's number as well uh, but again try and get involved in it if you're listening to us in the county and you want to broaden it out there just go to Theo's uh, um, Facebook page as well now then let's head towards the 10 o'clock news and uh, sport we're back after that and it's called Pickleball P-I-C-K-L-E uh, ball from there and you'll have fun from there Okay, news time.